Welcome to Draft Sickos on the No Ceilings NBA Podcast Network. I am your host, Maxwell Baumbach, and we are joined at this time by this week's guest real star of the show. It's Jam Hines. Jam, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's good to be here. Um, helping keeping the seat warm for Steven, who obviously is one of the stars <laughs> of the show of the dynamic duo here. So very excited. Yeah, for sure. So for people who are unfamiliar with you, you were a guy that I've always had had my eyes on on Twitter and stuff like that. You were really accomplished in the draft and scouting space. So for people who might not be familiar with you, can you kind of keep everybody updated and get everyone in the loop as far as kind of who you are, what you do and what you've done uh, in the basketball world? Absolutely. I appreciate that. So I really got my start shortly after college. And it's kind of crazy to think about right now. I've been scouting for almost a decade. Uh, I yeah. feel old. Uh, so <laughs> I got my start. Val, very fortunate to get my start underneath Alon Benacorv with EV Hoops. Alon is now a scout for the Lakers, been there for a few years now. It's actually where I crossed paths with Nathan of Draft Deeper and, of course, the No Ceilings family as well. And then from there, once Alon left, we kind of branched off to BPA Hoops and be able to work with just the fantastic people there. And then the same thing where you can find my work now with, dry, with Draft Digest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Draft Digest has all sorts of great stuff like they they are covering kind of the full full breadth of everything which is something you know we try to do here as well so we've got great respect for everybody with the draft digest team uh so we're always always down to collaborate always glad to have you know the best people in this space on regardless of where they are and it's it's a real pleasure to have you on here and i i told nathan this years ago but uh like the ev hoops like bpa kind of lineage is something that always meant a lot to me because one of the first things that got me deeper into the draft space was the war room hustle podcast like way back yeah. when so that yeah. was like one of the first things that got me like more interested in scouting and just listening to it and kind of like as someone who was more of just like a general nba fan at the time i was like whoa like this like draft stuff is like different like <laughs> there is a different level of preparation and insight that goes into this and it's kind of one of the things that got me to, to fall in love with with the draft space as a whole yeah, it's it's definitely a beast, and um, it's great that you listen to that. Like, it's definitely a blast from the past for sure with Alon and mm -hmm. Jonathan Wiseman over at Bleacher Report. So, yeah, it was really cool to kind of be able to learn from those guys and you know pay it forward as well. For sure, for sure. So, we are going to get into uh, you know our standard segments here. We always open up with winners of the week. So, these are guys that had big weeks uh, in in kind of different ways and and in different places on boards. This is a really fun kind of find a group that we've got here. Uh, we're going to start with Zachary Osache uh, over in France. He had a marvelous week for himself. So he is a guy that I don't want to say I've been sagging on in terms of where I've had him ranked on my board, but I, I feel like I was maybe a little bit slower to to come around and give him this respect that I think at this point it's kind of clear that he he deserves. Uh, so he had a matchup uh, against Cholet earlier this week against another uh, prospect in uh Tijin salon in that game uh Rusaka finished with 20 points uh on six of 12 shooting and he was four for seven from three uh but at this point the efficiency continues to pile up the points per game continue to pile up he is uh listed anywhere between six foot eight and six foot ten he's gonna turn nine he doesn't turn 19 years old until april uh so he is very much on the younger side of the spectrum still for a 2024 eligible draft prospect um, what has been your kind of process with Zachary? Cause it's been an interesting story with him. He came to the year with a lot of hype, had a rough time at the U19 worlds. 
and now is really back on track and just playing phenomenal basketball. Um, what, have, what did you think what he did uh, this past week, but also what's kind of been your, your journey with him as a prospect? It's been an interesting one. As you already talked about, he's had a fantastic week, and that's awesome to see. And I think I'm pretty much in alignment with you here. Like, I was pretty disappointed, I think, like most people with his U-19 World Cup performance. And mm -hmm. in the finals, too, he took one shot in 23 minutes, and it was a three and also mm -hmm. five turnovers. So just the whole experience with him in the, uh, the U-19 World Cup, it was a disappointment, to be quite frank, and made me sour on him a little bit. Didn't want to try to take too much of that and dwell on that. and was open for him to see what he does this season. And he's really been much better, more aggressive and assertive this season, although it still does come and go. But the defense is consistently there. And at 6'8", you said in between 6'8 and 6'10", he is certainly a big wing. And I love everything that he does defensively. The shot has been consistent, so certainly he fits into that 3 and D role. But and uh, some shots, some shot making versatility that he has shown. But by and large, I think he's a three and D type of guy. And we'll see what he does the rest of the way, because the offense is still a little bit shaky at this point. That's where I am, too. And I'm glad to kind of hear that from somebody else. I think that's why I've been a little bit slower to move him up my board. And it's one of those things that we're just going to have to get used to this year, right? Like we're going to have to move on from that number doesn't sound right next to that player. Like this is just one of those years where you kind of just got to rank the guys that are there. And with him in particular, it's been frustrating because I think I've seen him get the connector label quite a bit. And I think he's fine as a guy who can make quick decisions and keep the ball moving. He can swing the ball and like make sharp decisions. He's not a stop and survey player. Uh, I, I'm pretty low on his handle. Um, I think he's had a lot of issues as far as when he attacks guys bump into him, he picks up the ball, things like that. I think he's gotten a little bit better with it. And I think that overall he's played a bit more physically over the last couple of weeks. It seems like he's taking contact better. He's a little bit more willing to initiate it and deal with it. Um, free throw attempts are, are starting to trickle up a little bit. I don't, yeah, I, I don't know how dynamic he is, but I think he can definitely make shots off the catch. I think he can, you know, drive in a straight line, get off the floor pretty well. And like you said, the, the defense is, is really good. Uh, and I think, again, that's another area where the physicality seems coming along a little bit, was I'm always sort of leery of these wings where people talk about their best trait being like guarding smaller players. And it's like, well, I kind of want a wing to guard other wings. Like that's that's what I'm hoping for. We're going to draft a guy who's 6'8", is somebody that can yep. on a LeBron James, somebody that can put... Uh, you know, on a Jason Tatum. Like those are the guys that I'm I'm looking for. I draft somebody his size. So I think he's gotten a little bit better at that. Um, still very tough to deal with on an island. Um, but yeah, I, I, the work that he's done as an off-ball player on offense as well, just the directional changes and little things he's doing to set up his movement into shots. I'm really impressed. I think he's come a long way. Um, where are, are you at with sort of the in-between elements of his offensive game? Because I feel like that's where I'm sort of, a little bit more hesitant to put him in like that upper, upper echelon of this class still is I'd like to see, I'd like to feel a little bit better about like the type of dynamism he's bringing on offense. I think his floor is really safe, especially if he continues to shoot like this and defend like this, but that's where, you know, I, I can maybe get more excited about him as if he progresses in that department as, as we get closer to June. Same here. It's just what else is he going to do offensively? I think that, 
some of it is you want him or at least hoping that some of his ceiling can be attached to him being a primary creator or second creator or, or just a, some type of reliable shot maker and shot creator. But I'm just not seeing that. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, in that is, is it Cloet? Cloet, how do you pronounce the team? I think, it, I think it's Chole. I could be Chole. Wrong. I like so that bit. sounds much better. I'm I so bad that. at the pronunciation. <laughs> so, so this is something that like. In the last year or two, I've switched to being a no commentary guy. I've started to like mute broadcasts and stuff like that. And now I'm like, I, it's killing me on pronunciations, especially in the international games. But I'm the same I'm, way. I'm I can't like, remember the last time I've actually watched unless it's on TV with the commentary. Mm-hmm. So maybe I need to sprinkle that in <laughs> some, somewhere. I need to do it more often. Yeah, I've gotten burned by it too many times. But, but yeah. In that, that game. game mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. I, I Yeah run with it i was gonna say in that game you hit a couple of nice step back threes one the size up right to left crossover into the um between step back threes you like to see those type of things i don't Mm -hmm. think that's really what his long-term role is going to be in the nba but i think it's consistently with him being able to work off the ball he does a good job being able to navigate screens into curls being able to get to the rim use that extendo length, those go-go gadget arms, mm-hmm. and be able to finish with both hands or add it around the rim and be able to make drop-off uh, drop passes and be able to kick and spray out and show a little bit of that connectivity as a passer. I just, with you here, I just want to see more offensively for me to sink my teeth into, but it just seemed like it's really going to be that 3 and D off-ball role, be a play finisher, get out in transition, and I think that's where he's going to be best at. If you don't mind me asking, like where where would you kind of slot him on your board right now? Because I feel like for me, he's a guy where just kind of by default, he's gonna he's kind of in that top five mix now, where it's just like this is a guy with size that that I think can shoot it, and the defense is there. So, like almost don't overthink it at a certain point. Like the level of polish that he's having at his size and his age, it's it's tough to ignore. Where where are you at with him? Yeah, keep it simple, stupid, right? Like that's that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what they that's what they say. So I think he's certainly in that top five mix. I personally don't do a, a big board until January. I, that's yeah. just what my process is. I know everybody's different, mm-hmm. um, but that's certainly just what my process is. But I think he is a top ten type of guy in this class, especially when you have the right fit. And I think that's going to be a huge thing, especially in this in this draft, is being able to get that right fit. So you may see guys go a little higher than what I guess a normal type of draft is. Sure. Yeah. And for him and for him as well, what I really want to see if there can be anything for him to be able to play more in the pick and roll, be able to passer, uh be able to uh, make plays as a passer. And I, I'm just hoping that there's more, you know, um, oh, I'm not yeah. too optimistic. And then I think back and I'm trying to compare him and kind of compare him to Ryan Dunn. So I'm interested to see, like, where do you kind of have those two guys there, defensive yeah. first guys? So I, I have him above Dunn right now. I don't – I think the last time I submitted a board, I had Dunn higher. Um, but I think I'm starting to buy the level of efficiency in the shot a little bit more. Like, the FIBA stuff kind of scared me off, to be frank. So I, I was kind of yep. slower to come around on him. I think with Dunn – he just has a level of like physical nastiness and competitiveness to him. And I think I'm pretty bullish on Ryan Dunn's feel too. Like, I feel like I like how Ryan Dunn makes decisions when he goes downhill and things like that. Like I know that he's limited in terms of his outside shooting, like even like a wonderful pull up, two dribble pull up, like that's something's going to, it's going to take time for him. And he's older. He's, you know, going to be 21, 22, but I, I think there's a world where Dunn could catch him. 
Uh, but I think Rosaka just has more upside. He's a little bit more plug and play. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think they're both going to be defensive monsters and be able mm-hmm. to contribute right away defensively, and especially when you're a rookie and you want to get that playing time. And the coach can look down on that bench like, I can have you come in here and be a versatile defender, a defensive playmaker, mm-hmm. be able to switch and really help us defensively right away. So that's certainly something that you got to love for him. Yeah, and I feel better about Dunn guarding like bigger, more physical guys out of the gate for what that's worth. Um, but I, I just think offensively, like we you talked about the fit in, in a year like this, like there's just so few teams that couldn't use a guy like what Rosaka is bringing to the table right now. So I, I think he's going to be more than okay in the long run. Uh, for our next winner of the week, it's going to be a little bit of a change of pace here. Not so much a guy that had a monster statistical week, more so just a guy that but we all kind of feel like we're winning just getting to see him back on a basketball court again. It's, it's Ronnie James at USC. Um, played today. Don't have the set line for that one in front of me, but he did play against Long Beach State uh, this past weekend in that game. Uh, four points on three shots. Uh, had a made three and a free throw. Three rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block. Um, I really liked Bronny coming to this year. I'll kind of get to my, my take on him in a second, but what were your initial impressions of Bronny uh, prior to the season? And then what did you uh, think of, of the debut performance? Like you said, it is absolutely wonderful to see him back out there on the court. I think first and foremost, that's what is the most important thing, him out there doing what he loved and healthy and just seeing LeBron and the family out there, it was just a really cool moment. And, and I'm sure it was the same way for that family, a very special moment. Uh, for him, i seen a lot of them as you as you had in high school, like what I saw. This is going to be a slow process, I'm sure, with him working the back end with his health. So we may not see the best of him to mid, maybe to the end of conference play, honestly. But early, what I like from him, of course, you got to love that chase down block, a, a la his his dad, and he's actually been becoming to make that a staple of his game, you know, and has made a couple good passes in that game and reads as well, the transition three. So I'm really liking the early things that I've seen from him in the in the limited minutes that he's playing, uh, connected type of guard. I'm curious to see how much point guard that he truly can play or if he's more of a slightly undersized two. But if yeah. he can consistently play that point guard, I think it's a higher ceiling for him. I'm right there with you. I think just with his height, um, the two thing is going to be tough. I think that because he's so physically strong, he profiles a little bit better to it than some of these guys where it's like, does he have the point guard skills? Like just the fact that he is so like put together and, and <laughs> just strong through his shoulders already, like listed at 210 pounds. Like that is, that is NBA weight uh, on a college player right there. I think, I think what I was most surprised by was just how intact the athleticism looked. Because one thing I mentioned when we did our preview series um, was I think I'm higher on Bronny as an athlete than a lot of people. Because I think he gets the, well, you know, he's not a, he's not a crazy athlete. And I think people say that, like, thinking they're doing him a favor. Because, like, you want to level set expectations and be like, well, he's not LeBron. But I do think he's a really great athlete <laughs> for, for any other guard. I think the way that he runs, the way that he jumps and explodes off of two feet, like there just aren't a ton of guys that are that are able to do that, especially that are so well-developed from a frame standpoint at his age. Um, I, I think the defense is outstanding, like just immediately in that game. And I know, you know, caveats, it's Long Beach State. To be fair, this Long Beach State won that game. They've beaten a few other high major teams. <laughs> yep. They're always very well coached, always very intense on the defensive end. Um 
I thought that Bronny did a really good job defensively. Like it was just immediately evident that he's a guy who's going to fight over screens. He's going to work his tail off. He's going to, you know, explode, meet guys at the rim, make those rotations, get into passing lanes. Offensively, nothing crazy. I've always liked his shot. uh, One for three from deep in this game. I thought the biggest thing that stuck out was just how well he can adapt to a connective role. Um, Really sharp on the skips through a great reversal pass, which I'm always a sucker for. Um, Size is always going to be an issue against anybody in the modern NBA, but I think just from a power standpoint, he's as well positioned as any guard could be. I think the athleticism there, I think the feel is there. I think to your point, it just comes back to like, are you truly a point guard? Is the handle there? Is the table setting? Um, all of that kind of stuff. How optimistic are you about that? Or do you think it might be a, prospect, a process that just takes a little while? I think it's a process that'll take a little bit, especially with him. You want to believe in it, of course, with the NBA bloodlines and the field, the high basketball IQ that he's already seen. He made a nice pocket pass in that game as well. Mm-hmm. So you, there is a lot of upside for him to be able to play pick and roll, get to the pull-up jump shot. He has just a very smooth shooting stroke, obviously can shoot it from deep. And I think if he can navigate those pick and rolls, be able to be a scorer and a facilitator out of that, it just really um, raises that ceiling for sure. With the medical setback, um, I I thought he – Looked is is minimally rusty, if that's a phrase, is is possible. I thought mentally it seemed like he was completely up to speed. I was really pleased with where he was athletically. I was worried that maybe he would lose some of the weight that he's put on over the last couple of years. Um, but I thought he looked really good. Do you think he and I mean this is kind of like we're getting to conjecture at this point, so like grain of salt with this sort of thing always. Um, do you think he's sort of married to the one and done idea? Because it seemed like that was sort of the blueprint that was being laid out for him. But with this, do you think maybe it makes a little bit more sense now to take another year if he is more of a uh, like good sixth man for USC than a guy who like explodes and is a big part of the lineup? Ideally, at this point, I think it would be great if he came back for another year and mm-hmm. we can be looking back in a month later and he's just on an absolute tear, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Thing, and things have changed. But I think at this point, it would be better for him to come back for a second year. But I think he's pretty married to that one-and-done idea, and I think it's already NBA role for him as a connector guard, what he does defensively, and as a shooter as well. And then in this class, I hesitate to say, and always phrase as a weak class, you know, everything can certainly yeah, yeah. change and, you know, want to be respectful of the progress that players can make. And then, you know, still have to get to everybody and see what happens at the end of the season. But it just seems like a good mix of time for him to come in this class and potentially be a late first rounder, maybe a little higher than that. But right now I have him as a late first rounder, um, Mm -hmm. early second round, somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I had him late first. And then the last time I made my board, I was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pull him off just to like be safe, you know, like give guys some other room because we don't really know what's happening. And then like three days later, they're like, he's back. I was like, oh, come on. (laughs) I I just pulled him off. I just pulled him off. So I'm going to have him right back in that late first kind of, kind of range to start off. I think with smaller guards, again, like just the, the size and frame can't be understated and the athleticism. I think all the instincts that you'd want are there. It's just going to be a matter of getting the handle and everything else up to speed. Um, let's get into our next guy, which is going to be Kyle Filipowski, um, who is sort of a more contentious prospect than I think I expected coming into the year. I I guess it's fair, though. I, I was a little lower on him last year, I feel like, compared to, compared to some people. 
Um, one of those guys that depending on who you talk to, some people are like this is a surefire top 10 guy. Other people have him more towards late first round, uh, but had a huge game uh, against Hofstra in that game. He had 28 points on 16 shots. He was four for seven from three, 12 rebounds, eight assists, three blocks and a steal. Uh, Filipowski, you know, solid freshman season last year. Uh, I was a little disappointed in a few elements of his game that I thought he managed to show off uh, really well in this one here. Um, one of my big concerns with him was I thought he did a really bad job of finishing inside as a freshman. It just seemed like anytime there was contact or anything going on around the basket, he just couldn't get it done. And like he, or it would take him a few times, like he had decent offensive rebounding numbers, but it's like, well, it's cause you're missing your shot and having to go back up with it a second time. Uh, the jump shot uh, last year was, you know, fine. It was 28% from, from three, but I always thought it looked really good and that that was sort of bound to turn around with the second year in college. Uh, this year, he's done a much better job of finishing around the basket. The interior finishing has come around pretty significantly. Uh, he's up to from 50% on twos to 58% on twos this season. Uh, just looking a lot more tough and, and physical on the interior. The jump shot is falling, which isn't a huge shock to me. I was sort of optimistic about that happening in general. Um, the passing has been kind of a pleasant surprise. This was uh, his best passing game of, of his career, I believe, the eight assists. He did have seven turnovers still, so not all fine and dandy. Uh, but he's done a better job of avoiding tunnel vision, which I thought was always a problem for him on the block. Um, he's doing a little bit more passing as a face-up guy as well i still overall kind of have my concerns about filipowski and we'll get into that in a moment but what did you think of his performance against hofstra and what have you thought of his overall play so far this season definitely his best performance of the season and that was bouncing back from i believe at five points in that charlotte game previously so to bounce back in mm -hmm. that major way it was great to see and for him the three-point shot it always looked good. I think he's going to be a very interesting case. We'll see what his numbers end up at the end of the season. But the eye test versus the numbers, like it's always a very mm -hmm. smooth stroke. You see the touch. He hit back-to-back -back corner threes in that game against Hofstra. So that was always, you know, something you want to see from him, being able to make reads as a face-up player and be able to skip pass and do those type of things. And that was one of the things I was very excited for him coming into college, but we haven't seen too much was his passing ability until this year. And I want to see him be able to get more to the grab and goes. I thought that was a strength that I really loved for him in high school. But for whatever reason, he hasn't been able to – I don't know if, have, if it's just the free reign to do that, which I think he should have, and or if he's just not really looking to do that. But I think that's an element that I would love to see more and will be more attractive on the NBA level. And I think it will be opening up some eyes for scouts. Like, all right, this is – this seven-foot guy mm -hmm. who's been able to rebound, grab and go, push, make a play for others, and is very fluid with the ball. And I'm so glad you brought up his finishing as well, too, because it's good to see him be able to turn the corner so far in the early season with that. Mm -hmm. But for him, he is a physical guy. He will be physical in there, won't shy away from contact. But for some reason, it seems like he's frequently off balance in the paint. I'm just not sure why. It's just like, all right, I know you're not scared of the contact, but you don't have to be leaning and fading and, you know, mm -hmm. trying to get that second chance point after you miss. Like, go up strong, you know, and, and continue yeah. to use continue to use that frame. So um, for him to be able to 
to be able to be a better finisher right now. That's absolutely awesome. And one thing I am a little bit concerned about for him defensively is defending the space. I do like the hands and he does compete, but just for him to be able to kind of switch out on guys and be on the left on the island and just truly how switchable he is, I am concerned about that. Yeah, so this is the conversation that I, I really wanted to get into with you here is there was all this talk this offseason about the surgery that he had, how it was going to open up his hips, how it was going to change things for him in space. And I'm still just not really sold on there being that much of a difference there. I think he's actually looked better as a rim protector. And, and I yeah. don't know how much of that is just him getting more minutes as like the actual five in the lineup. Like how much of the increase in black percentage is just him getting to play as as the the big man uh, in, in the lineup uh, more consistently. I think in space, the directional changes are something where it really stands out um, where like if a guy is, you know, moving in one direction, cuts back the other or crosses him up. I just don't love how he moves. And I feel like his hips really aren't that much better. Like, I feel like I still see him having to turn and chase fairly consistently and not being able to contain the ball. Um, what position do you see him playing at the next level in like, what ball screen coverage would you feel most comfortable with him in? Because I don't want him switching because I don't want him having to contain faster players. And I just don't know that he's going to be good enough in a drop to like, oh yeah, like he's going to really keep people out of the paint and turn them away at the rim and deter shots. Like, I don't think he's that guy either. So as much as I like the offensive skill, just from a defensive standpoint, I I worry about him quite a bit. Um, I know that was like 80 things that I threw you, but I guess overall, like, no, I love it. <laughs> what, yeah. What, what do you see like the defensive role being at the NBA level? And that's, what's tricky as you laid mm-hmm. out. I think he's absolutely a five. I would be very concerned about having him defend a lot of fours, especially when in the league. And ideally a lot of the fours are big wings. So they're able to really handle the ball, take you off the dribble and just, you know, have a lot of ball skills at that spot. But I think certainly at the five, him being able to be that stretch five and defensively, I don't feel comfortable about him switching. I think it's going to have to be drop and just hopefully he can do the best that he can with his size and his quick hands and just try to take advantage of the tools that he does have. Because I think if you get switched out on point guards or just any type of guard in that pick and roll with that handle and, you know, the shot creation, it's going to be very, very tough for him to keep up. And I think you can get hunted that way. And you want to try to avoid that at all costs. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's let's move on to our next guy. This is actually a name that you brought up, uh, who played in that same game as Kyle Filipowski uh, in, the, in the Hofstra game. He is Hofstra's Darlingstone uh, Dubar. Uh, he started off at Iowa State. Didn't really get a lot of run as a freshman. Transfers out to Hofstra um kind of fun anecdote here he was a guy that i really considered for no son unturned the first time i did it uh he was a guy that i looked at pretty heavily at a really good sophomore season kind of took a step back a little bit as a junior it was more so that just like the overall counting numbers weren't there because it's really aaron estrada's team and then tyler thomas was still there so we didn't get a lot of on ball reps now as a senior he's kind of back into that second year role, Tyler Thomas is still the guy that shoots the most, but I think Dubar is the most interesting NBA prospect on that team. Um, in the game against Duke, finishes with 24 points, eight rebounds, two blocks, and a steal. He is a six foot six wing, uh, good, good frame on him. What made you kind of want to bring him up and, and talk about him as one of the winners this week? 
Well, he's the guy that I've liked in the past, just like you have. And I think anytime that you play a blue blood or, you know, just a, one of the top ranked uh, teams in the country and you have performance like that, it certainly will catch some eyes and it should catch some eyes. You know, he's on the road against Duke. He's a North Carolina kid. He, you know, he's going crazy from three and he's shooting 40% already this season. He's looking at the crowd. He's giving the three sign. And I just absolutely love every bit of it. And he's six, six strong frame, broad shoulders, long arms. So he mm-hmm. really fits that NBA wing mold, which you're looking for positional size and he can shoot the three and D um, it's essentially what you really want from him. I like what he can do as a slash. I want to see a little bit more of it, but kind of the crux of his game and what you're really looking for is him be able to slide in that three and D role with the NBA ready body. Yeah, I think the frame is really good. I thought, yeah, defensively, he's he's really he's really sharp at the hands. Like he's just a guy who is getting into the ball constantly. Whether it's yeah. like one of those get in low kind of strips, whether it's guarding out in space at the point of attack. Um, love his length and love his anticipation too. Like a good good passing lane player, a guy who is certainly not behind the curve in terms of vertical athleticism can really get up. Uh, and yeah, it says like the feet and length to play guys tight. The defensive side is is really there. Um, and I'm I'm a buyer in in terms of what he can do on the defensive end. Um, offensively, I think he's like pretty solid in, in everything is like a connective player. He because of the fact that he's always played with ball dominant guards, it's always been like a little tricky to get a read on like what level of field does he have? How much can he do with the ball in his hands? Uh, when he's like creating for himself, like that's never really been his game there. Um, I, I worry a little bit about the shot translating the next level, which I know is like maybe a little bit because the percentages are good career 37%. This year he's 38.6% on high volume. He's taken a ton of them, uh, made a bunch of them in a game against the blue blood the mechanics of it just kind of concern me uh, because it is very much a cross body, dramatic left to right kind of motion. It's Lonzo-esque. <laughs> dip on the ball, takes a while to get it off. That's like the one thing where I'm just like, oh man, that's like the one thing that's stopping me from like really kind of biting on him as a sleeper, as opposed to, to maybe some other guys that I kind of like in that back end top 100 range. Um You've you've been in the scouting game for a long time. When you see a guy that has either kind of an unconventional shooting motion or maybe a shooting motion that takes a long time to get off, but the percentages historically have been good. Um, how do you sort of weigh that out and take that into account? I'm trusting the numbers and what I see. If he's hitting it, he's comfortable. I'm buying in. That's one of the reasons I was in on Halliburton as a shooter and Lonzo as a shooter. Um, although obviously things kind of went south for him, but he kind of corrected. I think mm-hmm. his situation is a little bit different. I didn't think he necessarily needed to tweak his mechanics. I think he just kind of lost confidence. And obviously the, the mechanics, what he has now, it's changed. He's found some confidence with that. Um, but with Darlington, with me, for him, one there was one particular stat last year. I think I have it here that maybe, all right, maybe be really be in on him. Mm-hmm. So he shot. 54 threes last year guarded and he shot 42.6%. So if you're hitting with that type of volume with guys on you, I'm going to buy it until you show me something Mm. otherwise and then the numbers take a drastic dip. So I am in on as a shooter, but obviously (laughs) was concerned with the mechanics, but I think the proof is in the pudding with what he's doing. For sure. Yeah. I think that, I think that's more than fair. So we're going to take a quick break. 
Uh, after we're going to talk about a couple guys that we've been uh, more focused on recently and, and go deep into their game. So stay with us. We will be right back on the other side of the break. All right, it is feature focus time, and selfishly, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead off with with my guy here. We're gonna, we're gonna lead off uh, with a player that we've uh, actually I believe talked about privately before. We're gonna talk about Jameer. Yep. Uh, he is a guy that I covered um, over the offseason during my No Stone Unturned series, and has had a really nice start to the year for Florida State. Uh, unfortunately, just had a rough one against uh, Southern Methodist yesterday. But what can you do? Uh, but nevertheless, he is he's having a really strong year. Uh, so he. Played a year at, at VCU, then has an ACL injury. Uh, it was ACL, right? It was like an, it was some sort of knee injury, I believe. Yeah, it was. Um, misses an entire calendar year. Comes back in the 22-23 season as a sophomore. Uh, and has like a really nice year. Like starts half the games, um, but was really just like a, a great stat sheet stuffer. The defense was something that really stood out to me. Had a pro body, NBA athleticism wasn't super efficient like 41 34 72 splits but again like one of those guys where the shooting numbers were like he took a lot of threes off the dribble uh didn't get a lot of clean looks um just a guy that i I really kind of wanted to buy into vcu's coach leaves takes the penn state job the next day watkins enters the portal and transfers up to florida state which i thought was kind of an interesting decision uh because he was clearly like a very good college role player. Like there was no way that I thought he'd go to any school and not get minutes. Like he's, he's just too good at, at six, seven to 10, like can do a little bit of everything. I don't know that I fully anticipated him being the guy for Florida state this year, which is what he's been so far. Leads the team in points, rebounds and assists. Um, defense still good. Not quite as like locked down as it was last year, but that's to be expected when he takes on a larger role like that. Um, I really like Jameer Watkins. I think he's a guy that I'd be looking at in the early second round. I think if the shot uh, sticks, if the volume goes up, if he keeps hitting threes, he's a guy I'd consider in the late first, depending on how things break. Um, What has been sort of your journey with Jameer Watkins as a prospect? And what have you seen from him uh, this season? And what's kind of your temperature on him at this stage? Very similar to what your journey has been, as you described. Liked him early, pre-ACL injury, and also some of the stuff that I saw with him at the grassroots. What he can do defensively is a very versatile wing at six foot seven and a plus wingspan. I really like the fact that he went from VCU to Florida State. It's kind of two programs where they do pride themselves on defense, where you will be able to get after it defensively and be able to learn there. So I was very excited. Uh, to see him do that. And it was a big surprise, as you mentioned, for him to be the lead guy. I thought he would have every opportunity to be a contributor and a firm starter there. But to be the guy, I think it's just great for his overall development, although I don't really see that being his role at the next level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, but with him being the defensive playmaker and the shot is what has to come around. But I just love his intersection of length and strength that he uses on both sides of the ball was to finish at and around the rim or to be able to um, lock up in certain situations defensively still has to be consistent uh, with that. But like you said, with the usage on the offensive end, it's just a natural thing in basketball that we know, you know, defensive, when you had that type of usage offensively, defensive end is going to slide a little bit. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I'm really optimistic about the defense. One of the stats I mentioned in my article that'll be out uh, probably by the time you're listening to this, or if not, like in two hours after you listen to this, if you're if you're a real <laughs> sicko and you're listening to this first thing in the morning, the second it drops at, at 4 a.m. Central. Uh, Jameer Watkins, uh, last year, teams put him in isolation on defense 20 times. And on those 20 possessions, they scored five points, but they turned the ball over six times. Like that oh, is wow. the that is what he can do with his with his length and his footwork and his strength. Like he just forces guys to make mistakes. He's he's really tough to get the best of. Uh, can can blow up a handoff. Knows how to to guard a pick and roll. Um, when he's guarding the screener, he can really smother. He can recover. Like there's all sorts of different things that he's able to do in those coverages. Uh, and then the offensive game, like I, I just think he's really solid at everything. I thought the fact that he's just a really sharp and smart, connective player always shined at VCU. Like. His his role changed a little bit. It just seemed like last year Ace Baldwin was so good that like more and more like the offense just kind of ran through him as the year progressed. But early in the year, I thought he showed some real playmaking chops. The connective stuff was always in there. Um, but Watkins, like I'm just so enamored with the trajectory of improvement with him that he goes from being you know eh, you know decent freshman energy guy defender to like okay well now he's got some connective stuff. Now he despite the injury setback. He's taking more threes and he's making more of them. And now it's another year of the three point volume. Uh, again, like just kind of, I believe it's, it's steady or per, per 100 possessions, but the percentage is up again. And the difficulty has never been higher. Um, I think he's taken quite a bit more off the dribble from three than he has off the catch. Yeah. 16 of his 26, three point attempts have been off the dribble and he's five for 10 off the catch. I think mechanically he's cleaned up a little bit off the catch. The hand placement on the ball is a little bit better. Base is still a little bit wide. So it kind of brings his feet together at the top, which is a little quirky. It's not, you know, the worst thing in the world you could do. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I just see a guy who has embraced every challenge, has gotten a lot better, has really good feel on both sides and like got way better at the rim this year too, even with like an, a far from ideal spacing situation I just keep seeing him get better at everything. And I know that obviously like the defense took a step back and you mentioned the usage, it's to be expected. Like, I just wonder if I'm going to be able to get Jameer Watkins in a draft, like where he might go next year, if he were to go back. Like, I feel like it might be a, a kind of buy now situation because he just keeps getting better every year. That's a great point. And then it'll be another year removed from the ACL injury, which he's recovered beautifully from and progressed, as you said. And for him, yeah, if he, I can see him being a first rounder for sure next year. And then right now, I can certainly see him being a first rounder, especially as we get deeper into conference play. It's going to be even more opportunity to have more eyes on him. Big games, he's going to play Duke and get into the the heart of the conference play where you can see his all around game shine. And then people see what you pointed out defensively him be able to get stops, make and make plays and be a two way wing. Do you think there's any upside for him to be a, maybe a secondary ball handler or is he just more of a connective type of wing? Yeah. I I, I don't want to be like, absolutely not. Like I always hate like yeah. slamming the door shut on something. I don't, think so because i think he's i think he's older for his class even as like if you were to treat him as like a senior like i think he's gonna be close to 23 come draft night um i think he could be like a, a really nice secondary option like i think he's gonna be really good at the type of things they'll be asked to do in the nba where it's like if he's got to you know attack a, a defense or attack a closeout or you know run a occasional second side pick and roll like that's what he can do i don't see him being more than like 
a third option on a, on a good team. Like, I, I think he's pretty consistently going to be like a guy who's just the straw that stirs the drink and, and brings a lot of fight on the defensive end. It's kind of more the role I see for him. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And like the defense is not at this level, but I think the shot is at a better point in their careers. It's sort of like a scaled down Herb Jones in terms of like what he can do on defense. Like nobody's going to be Herb Jones on defense. Like that's a little unfair. But I think as far as just being a guy with size and feel who can make the open ones and like not kill your spacing, like I think that's the kind of thing he can do. Yeah. And for me, I'm a really big uh, believer and sucker for role versatility and mm-hmm. i think he does have that you can step into that three and d role and he can play a little bit on ball and then with him be able to play next to high usage guards uh, i just really love what he can do at the nba level and he seems like a guy who's absolutely primed to rise for sure for sure i'm right there with you i'm glad there's glad there's more fans of him because he's a guy that i've, <laughs> I've really liked for a while and i'm happy to see him succeeding the way he has let's get into jv on mccullum so this is a guy where um I think I was a little bit, I don't want to say pessimistic, but maybe not like fully sold on, on how the transition to high major basketball was going to go. Um, he was at Siena and the MAAC really great there. Really great. Averaged about 16 points and four assists last year, uh, but was still a little bit turnover prone. Uh, always been really thin. Uh, Three point percentage has been up and down, but always generally pretty good. Transfers into uh, one of the toughest leagues you can be in the big 12 Plays for an Oklahoma team. That's, played some some tough teams and he's looked like a tough player in those games like he is not not uh struggling in the least against better opposition he is completely ready for the opportunity that he's been given uh what kind of made you want to talk about Javion McCollum and, and what are you seeing from the junior this year so Javion he caught my eye pretty much immediately when I first got to see him as a freshman this was live I'm going to go scout at Georgetown his freshman year. And he had two points in that game, but he also had six assists. And then his his feel, he did not back down, facilitating, making just great advanced reads. I was like, all right, who is this kid? Like, he is a little small, but I'm very, very intrigued and interested to kind of see what his journey is going to be. And then fast forward, um, he gets to the second year at Siena. You know, he's just absolutely just hooping there. And then he's someone that I wrote about very early in that it was a sophomore year and was just saying that I think he's going to be a prime candidate that someone wants to transfer up. And he's having a lot of success so far at Oklahoma. And he just seems like someone that can be a backup guard, rotational guard on the NBA level, just super, super shifty, creative off the bounce, diverse shot maker. He has the step back, just really everything the ball is on the string and is an absolutely tough shot maker and he he's someone that steps up in the big game so far this year he had 20 points against arkansas 19 against providence 18 against usc so it's just certainly not backing down against high level competition and um, the field is there he's making advanced reads and, and it's a playmaker and i just i'm just really hoping that what he does for me, it reminds me, I think they're in separate tiers. Let me just yep, yeah. preface that before I say it. But if you like Rob Dillingham, I don't see why you wouldn't like McCollum to some extent. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I, I think 
I've just been stunned by the things McCollum has gotten better at while scaling up in competition. Like you mentioned the advanced reads and things like that. And like, he wasn't like a, you know, a horrible playmaker or anything like that at lower levels, but he was the guy that I didn't always have like the most trust in the world in when it came to his decision-making ability. And it feels like he's really come a long way in that respect. Like the way that he's able to kind of change speeds a little bit more and not just be, a bursty guy, but to, to use some pace, use some, some change of speed, some hesitation, and then kind of see how the defense reacts to that. And then take what they give him based on how he's commanding the floor, how he's using his own gravity. Uh, the pull-up game is nasty, whether it's oh in the mid range or from behind <laughs> the arc, like he is a real deal pull-up shooter. Uh, that is, and I, and I've kind of like, just to get out in front of this, I've, I've been really sort of anti-small skinny guard. In, just in the last year like it's a player type that i'm extremely leery of i think Javion is, yeah. is doing a lot of stuff that makes me a little bit more optimistic about him compared to a lot of other guys um the other thing is the rim pressure hasn't been like great like he's a guy who's much more likely to you know pull up with the mid-range game versus or pull up from three even versus getting all the way to the basket but when he does get all the way to the basket i like what i'm seeing there. like he has been ambidextrous He's kind of using that wiggle that he uses to get to the rim to contort and finish at the basket. Just a lot more craft and a, and a greater willingness, it feels like, to to do that dirty work and get all the way inside. I've just been so impressed. I, I really did not expect him to be, like, the the leader of the show for this Oklahoma team this year. I really thought Uzan was going to be that guy. Um, and I think OA might technically be their leading scorer, but that's more more eater than a chef as far as uh, like play style on offense. He's kind of feasting off the other stuff, getting it on the offensive glass, doing that sort of thing. Um, but McCollum has just done a really phenomenal job of, of orchestrating the offense and kind of leading the ship. I, I didn't expect this um, on the defensive end. I still mentioned, I've got those smaller guard concerns. Um, <laughs> yep. Never been a great defender, never been great at containing the ball. Playmaking rates have always been sort of lower um how severe would you say your concerns are with him defensively at the next level they're pretty high but i think at the end of the day all you can ask for is just effort if you give me some effort whatever tools you have you know with this quickness so some anticipation and i got to see him his last with sophomore year which was last year at siena um in a return game at georgetown and one of the things I really was impressed with was how much he competed defensively, whether it's pressuring the ball, fighting around screens. And I think that's really all you can ask for into the day. I'm sure when there's positions where he's going to be able to make some plays defensively, whether it's in passing lanes or on the ball, but teams will also be able to be more physical with him because he's listed at 6'2", 160 pounds. So and light. that is you'd light. Be one of the, you'd be one of the yeah. lightest dudes in the NBA, if not the lightest. That is like so he would certainly be picked on. Um, we'll need some help, but if you aren't going to back down, I do like that. But at the end of the day, that is still a huge concern. Yeah, so that that was that's kind of like my like comp and I guess struggle with him is I look at a guy like Ryan Rollins who's around a similar age and maybe had like a similar game, like one of those guys who could kind of get his own at three levels, like really shifty, really fast. Um, and it's tough because he only played at Toledo so like we didn't get to see what he would look like at a high major level um but he was really good with the speed he was really good with the anticipation like always generated steals at a pretty high clip and 
granted he's had some injuries and things like that, but it's more just a guy who's like getting kind of garbage minutes for, for the wizards and like in the G league has been solid. Um, what would you say if a front office were to be like, Hey, like if we're looking at this guy in the second round, like what, what makes you feel more confident in like him having a better outcome than what we've seen from, from someone like Ryan Rollins. I really think it's just the dynamic pull-up shooting mixed mm-hmm. in with his – I know Ryan level, Ryan Rollins was extremely shifty as well, but there's just like a next-level type of shiftiness and wiggle and creativity that he has. Um, you certainly will be looking at him from offensively and what he's not doing. Uh, he won't be able to give you too much defensively, so he's certainly more of an all-offense type of guy. But what mm-hmm. he can do as an advanced – playmaker and play that pick and roll if you look for someone to run a pick and roll as a score and a playmaker he certainly can do that for you and i think that's the major sell for him for sure so here's like a tricky thing because like he's a guy that i have a hard time placing on my board right because it's like this is a guy and this is why like i know you mentioned you don't do board until january i wish i didn't have to do a board till january like i have such <laughs> a hard time making a board this early in the year because it's yeah. like some guys take a while some guys surprise you you don't, you don't know what to make of, of what um let's say like the NBA makes an announcement tomorrow and they're like, uh, we're, we're doing the draft early this year. It's in February. We're starting the pre-draft process right now. Would you say I want JV on to go all in? Would you say I want him to test the waters or would you say I want him to, to take his senior year of college and not even think about the draft in 2024? Test the waters. I yep. absolutely go ahead and get that feedback makes the most of it. And go ahead and just tear it up your senior year. Like I like mm-hmm. what obviously played two different positions. What PJ Hall has done this year, mm-hmm. um, Kevin McCullough has done as well. Yep, those Dylan type Jones, of guys. With yeah, yeah, exactly. You've taken that feedback, probably could have stayed in and just made the most of it. And I think he's someone that can follow in those footsteps. I like that, and I think too. Like, and I don't know a ton about like Sienna's basketball program and their facilities and things like that. But I do wonder too, if just like another season with a, uh, well, I guess it's technically going to be an sec weight room pretty soon, <laughs> but, oh, wow, but yeah. a big 12, a big 12, you know, <laughs> a high, high major, I know it's crazy, but yeah, high major program and, and the strength and conditioning coaches and the things that come along with that. Cause I know like Milo Susan has mentioned, like he's gotten stronger and the time that he's been Oakland at Oklahoma, just maybe, yeah, maybe test the waters and then, yeah, use that offseason, get stronger, get more athletic, and take whatever other feedback you're getting. Because, like you mentioned with like Jameer, like some guys just, it's clear that they're that they're putting in the work and like really getting after it. And I think with Javion, like it's really clear <laughs> that this guy is, is focused on getting a lot better at basketball. Uh, so we are going to take our final break and when we come back, we're going to do the sicko session. We're going to talk through uh, some deeper cuts, some guys kind of maybe, uh, you know, your average draft fanatic even might not be familiar with. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back on the other side of the break. All right. So I'm actually going to kick it to you on this first one, because he's a guy that I I've struggled to like fully buy in on as a sleeper. Um, I know he's got a lot of fans uh, in, in the basketball world. Uh, he is at Bradley. He is six foot nine. Malavu Leons. Uh, he is from the Netherlands. He is six foot nine, long, long arms, defensive specialist playing at Bradley. So he's at a college in my home state. For that reason alone, I've always kind of wanted to see him succeed. I love anytime guys are from my area or they're playing at a college in Illinois, I got to root for him. Uh, give everybody kind of the rundown on, on what you've seen from him and what makes him 
uh, kind of an appealing sleeper prospect. It really starts with the defense, uh, like you were saying. Last year, he won the Missouri Valley Defensive Player of the Year. He was the first player in conference history to have 50 or more blocks and 50 more steals in the same season. He had 52 of each. He just is so long. He's active, Have good has really good defensive instincts. Um, recovery length is there as well. And he offensively is more of a spot-up shooter. He's fluid attacking closeouts and those type of things. Has a pretty decent feel, but it certainly starts and ends with his defense. I really believe that he will be a capable shooter. He has dipped down in numbers right now. He's a 29% shooter right now. Um, his career 35% shooter on 255 attempts. But the defensive playmaking, the versatility, what he can do there, he's at 2.8 stocks this year as well. So he's someone I would love to really get on an exhibition 10 type of contract. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have him as a draftable guy at this moment mm -hmm. unless the shooting really comes along and he kind of really raises that. But I think he's an exhibition 10, exhibition 10 type of guy someone that you want to have in summer league have the ability to potentially turn into a two-way guy. Yeah. I think that's exactly the kind of tier I, I would actually have him in it would be like one of those E10 kind of, kind of prospects with Leon's, like you mentioned, the defenses, it's nutty. <laughs> he is so <laughs> long at the point of attack. And I've always been really impressed by how he makes things happening, happen like without fouling a ton. Like the foul numbers have been a little bit higher this year, um, but he's never a guy where it's like, Oh man, he's off the court. Like he he's not an outrageous gambler, and it's more like the foul stemming from just like oh, I got a little too into it with his length. Um, I thought he moved a little bit better in the games I saw him this year. Like my my notes from prior seasons, I always thought he was a little bit robotic, and I think this year he looks a little bit more fluid. Everything looks a little bit more natural and easy for him defensively. Um, yeah, the, the recognition is outstanding. So good, it, it just catching what the offense is looking to set up, getting in the way and mucking it up. Um, offensively, I, I have some concerns. I don't like love the feel on that end as much. Um, the shot I, I think is closer to like where you think it is versus the percentage this year, just looking on synergy 30% on the year, but uh, most of those are guarded attempts and he's 50% on his unguarded catch and shoot. So like, the idea of him, I believe, is just a guy who is six foot nine that really defends, and then you park him in the corner <laughs> on offense and have yep. a guy that, yeah, screens and, and shoots and spaces the floor. Um, I think it's he's probably got to be a little bit better than this if he wants to, like, get the odd. He's, he's got to hit threes at a higher clip if he wants to walk into a two way. Um, but I think he's definitely like an E10 kind of guy. Um, who's like for sure going to be in that Portsmouth mix, get to compete for it and kind of, kind of see where he stands. Um, do you think there is like, do you think the path to an immediate two way would just be shooting the ball better? Yeah, I definitely think it is. And I'm glad you shoot. I'm glad you brought up Portsmouth. I hope that you can get out to Portsmouth as well. It's like I a know. paradise for, for mm -hmm. draft sickos. <laughs> and I think that's an environment that he certainly can shine in. I can see him generating a lot of buzz there. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, my first guy we're going to go to here is going to be uh, Brandon Angel at Stanford. He is a guy that, like, I feel like every time I watch him, I'm like, man, I kind of like this guy. And this year, the numbers have been gaudy, to say the least, on offense. Uh, he is six foot eight. Uh, listed around 210, 
Uh, I, I like how he moves. Like he's he's pretty light on his feet on on both ends of the floor. Um, but this year, the touch at every level has been ridiculous for him. He is scoring 14.5 points per game, 68% from the field, 78% on twos, 46.7% on threes. The volume from three has always been sort of below average for a wing prospect. He's not a guy who's like gunning and hitting for, he's not Blake Hinson where it's like, he's taking 10 of these a game and he's hitting 47%. The volume is lower. I will concede that. Um, but always been like a decent rebounder. The passing is like spotty. It's, it's fine. It's not, a train wreck, but it's not anything to write home about. Defensively, the metrics there have always kind of lagged how I felt like he's playing. Like he's not a guy that I feel like makes a ton of mistakes out there. He just doesn't really make plays. Um, but he's big, he's long, he moves his feet well. Um, and I really love his offensive game. I, I I just think he's very good at finding ways to use his stride length to get to the rim, gets up really well off of one foot. So even when it's not a dunk, like the angle on the rim that he's getting is always really favorable. Uh, and the, the ball always stays high. The touch is really soft. I, I just like him. And I think he's one of those guys that because the offensive profile, a, a much different offensive profile than a guy like Hunter Tyson. But I wonder if he's kind of this year's guy that can maybe really climb during the pre-draft process because he is six foot eight and has really good touch. Um, obviously doesn't, is not going to come in with like the volume shooting. Uh, profile that that Tyson had but what, what's kind of your assessment of, of Angel and is he a guy that like had been on your radar at all prior to this year or in or are you still kind of just like I think this volume is going to come down to earth and I don't think he's anything he's been on it slightly when you go mm -hmm. um and watch Stanford and you know you're looking obviously at other prospects there and he will stand up from time to time but doing this you really put him on my radar Firmly, and it's good to hear what you're saying about him. So I really appreciate that. So I'm really digging back into his film. The main thing for me, size plus shooting equals money. That's the way yeah. that I kind of look yeah. at it, you know, and it's it's always has that appeal. The volume of you that you already mentioned, you want to see more of that. And I think that would be ideal. He seems like someone would be another ideal fit for Portsmouth who can generate some buzz for those different type of reasons. What I kind of struggle to figure out for him is defensively. I do like the way he moves, but it's like, all right, is he does he in more as a three and D role or is he an actual three and D player? Like, you know what I mean? Is he just yeah, because yeah, yeah. is is he playing that role or can he actually fit that role? So that's what I'm trying to figure out with him as well. If you like the defense, do you think he's switchable to a certain extent, or what position do you think he can defend? Yeah, I that's that's where it gets tricky because I like how he moves his feet, but I don't know that I'm gonna like it at the NBA level, like when he's on mm -hmm. like really quick guys, mm -hmm. and I don't know that he's like strong enough that I'm like, oh yeah, it'd be fine if he guarded Julius Randle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's there's just Good a luck. lot of strong starting <laughs> force in the NBA yeah. where it's like, yeah, I don't know how much I love Brandon Angel on that on that night. Um, I think he might be a little bit of a tweener because of that. He. Gosh, I guess he probably has to be a four, uh, especially mm -hmm. because like the shot profile. So he's got to get stronger in that sense. Um, I think you could play him at the three, depending on the lineup. Like, I mean, you look at a team like San Antonio and some of the lineups that they roll out. If there's not other, yeah. enough, like <laughs> other size on the floor to kind of compensate for it and protect the rim. If he is having a hard time containing the ball, I think that's a situation where it could work. Um, but yeah, I think kind of to your point about like, do you play that role or do you fit that? 
that role. Like there's always guys that get the three and D label that are like way worse at one of those two elements. Yes. And people <laughs> want to realize like on the base surface of like, oh yeah, three and D, three and D. And like one of those things is not like should not really mm-hmm. be in that same mix. And that's how it is with Angel. Like I think he's a guy that I buy the shot, even though the volume is lower, always been a great free throw shooter. But I do think defensively there are are some concerns. I think second round is like the dream for Brandon Angel. I think you hope that you have a really you test, you have a really strong draft process and, and you go in. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I think he's, I think he's interesting enough just because of how good the t- scoring touch is. Yeah. Another X 10 type of guy that I'm sure teams will love to have as well. And as mentioned before, Portsmouth, another great opportunity for him to take that Hunter Tyson type of role that you mentioned and following his footsteps. So I'm excited to continue to watch him this year and see his progression. And he's someone that's gotten better each and every single year. So that's something I always love. And and, and want to see from prospects for sure so the next one this was the guy that you put onto my radar this is a guy that i feel like i've i've seen pop up in queries I've, I've heard the name i've seen people talk about him and i just hadn't gone into the film yet uh it is Keyshawn hall out of george mason who is having one heck of a year uh six foot seven 250 i'll kind of let you describe the rest of his game because he is he is an interesting player and I, man, the film with the film was interesting. So give give yeah, us the rundown on Keyshawn Hall. He certainly is. Um, I got my first chance to see him in person. He's right here in my backyard. Um, getting to see him at George Mason. I got to see him play against some other draft sicko names at ECU and Brandon Johnson and oh, also yeah. Ezra Asar as well mm-hmm. too. So I really enjoyed that game, and he was just fantastic in that game. I really like for him to be able, for what he can do is. A big four, big wing at six seven. He played point guard growing up as well, and that's obvious in his game. The way he makes cross court skip passes, um, outlet passes, can push the ball. I really want to see him operate more pick and rolls. I think he has that ability, and I think that's something he'll slowly continue to do at George Mason. Um, but he can shoot off the bounce a bit. He can. Um, the shots a little bit funky, but. He's shooting yeah. at 34 percent. He's confident and, and he does uh, shoot it uh, pretty well and confidently. And for me, the rebounding too, like he's at nine point four oh. rebounds per game. <laughs> he rebounds in and out of his area. And I'm a sucker for rebounding, too. I'll go ahead and say it, especially My when man. it's from a wing. Like you mm-hmm. have to in possession, right? You know, that, yep. that's valuable. So he can be able to take those grab and goes. And he can go and push it and be a playmaker for others, which he's shown, or be able to go get a bucket for himself and try to get easier opportunities for his teammates. So I certainly like that as well. And um, I heard him on a podcast with Jeff Goodman, mm-hmm. and he was saying when he was at UNLV, he was pushing 280 pounds. Okay. Which is like so crazy. I don't know what's going on here, too. Yeah. Yes. So I'm um, kudos to him for making that transformation and still be able to to maintain um, some solid strength to his game. And I, that tells me just a lot about his work ethic. And that's something off the court that Tanzel should really do like to see. But I think he has a point forward type of role. And I'm really interested to see how he continues to progress him. Be a lot of more George Mason games this season for sure. Yeah, he's fascinating. I two things I'm a sucker for. And I like as soon as you put this guy to my radar, like just started that film work and I was like, oh, this is this is a player after my own heart. I love positional <laughs> strength and I love positional rebounding. And he's got both of them. Like to your point, like there are a lot of people and like there's 
you know, analytical reasons for it that just don't value rebounding that much. And like, maybe I'm just too stupid to wrap my head around it, but I'm right there with you. I'm like, no, you got to, you got to end possessions. And like with the guy, Keyshawn Hall too, I think there is that added benefit of the playmaking. Like you said, that like, not only is he ending the other team's possession, but now you got a guy who can really start the possession in a meaningful way on the other end of the floor. I thought the the playmaking is, is really solid. Um, I like the handle. I like some of the moves that he has with his footwork to set stuff up um mid post game looked really good in the game against south dakota state in particular it's like it's not something he's gone into in a lot of the games uh but he does have some kind of like nice turnaround stuff in that part of the court uh and yeah occasionally makes some really good passes and as a guy who you it's interesting you mentioned like the guard background growing up like something i wasn't privy to um but it stands out in terms of just like how he uses his length to find angles and deliveries on the ball that like most guys just don't really have the presence of mind to, to make. It's something that really stands out uh, and kind of shows that his feels a little bit different. Um, defensively, I, I love guys that can just throw their chest on somebody and kind of wall them off, prevent them from getting where they want. Again, the anticipation and intelligence shows up on that side of the floor. Really good at recognizing the off ball stuff and getting where he needs to go because of it. The strength and length are there. I don't love the hips. I don't quite love the mobility yet. Uh, but with him being a body transformation guy, I think that's stuff that is is probably more likely to come along for him than somebody else who's been in the body that they have for a long time. Uh, uh, there's always a lot of athletic um, growth that can come when someone finishes losing weight as well. You get to kind of increase your calorie load back up, get up to speed. So I'm, I'm always optimistic with weight loss guys um, on that front. I love how he bullies guys on offense. Love how he gets to his spots. I think... I think where I'm a little bit concerned is the shot. Um, it is quirky, but he's a, he's a great free throw shooter. He's like 82% on the year, 34% from three. Um, it's kind of low. The release, it's a little flicky with the wrist. Uh, and it almost looks like the guide hand comes off the ball on some mm-hmm. of them. Like I slowed one down to like a quarter speed and he's a lefty and like the right hand almost looked like it came off the ball before he released it, which was a little odd. Um, but yeah, he, he does get it off quick though. Like it was, it's not one of those shots that like takes an eternity to, to get up and guys are able to get into it. I think he's got a real shot because the touch is there. The free throw percentage is there. Um, how, how confident or concerned would you be with the shot? Or do you think, Hey, this guy's a sophomore who's like putting up big numbers. Like he's got all the time in the world to, to figure this out. Yeah, definitely the latter. Like, that's where I'm at. I think he has time to figure it out. He's shown the shot-making ability at the very minimum, um, that he can hit these type of shots. He's comfortable hitting those, and he will continue to take those. And if you want to back off all of, off of them, you know, be be, you know, be his guess, he's going to go ahead and take those and, and make a good percentage of those and still be able to space the floor and have that type of gravity. I'm hoping that he does test the waters. Uh, maybe he'll try to wait till next year. We'll see. But I think he's someone that really can benefit from some feedback. And I'm hoping that he continues to transform his body. And I think when you're at UNLV, you're out there in Vegas, the world is kind of your oyster there. I'm pretty yeah. sure you can pretty much eat anything you want if you want steaks every night. If you, mm-hmm. He mentioned also in that podcast that he was eating like a huge Chipotle bowl, like two at night or something like that. So, so he's Gotta cut off from that. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we've all been there. It's a delicious mm-hmm. place. And I'm just hoping that he, he will continuously stay on that path, transform his body. I think there's more room for him to still firm up his body. He's yeah. already still still firm and everything like that. 
but I just really love what he's doing. It's all, it speaks to the discipline, and I think NBA teams will really love that. Yeah, I, I, I'm really interested in him as a long-term guy coming out of digging into his film. Great, great call by you. Um, I had, yeah, like he's a guy that I, I, I love for like the reasons that we that we talked about. I think the testing the draft waters move like might be a sneaky good move for him. Like I call that the Janai broom where like he did that at Murray state. Like he was a guy that nobody really talked about. And then all of a sudden he tests the waters. Everyone's like, Whoa, hold on. Who's this guy? Look at those numbers. All right. And then he's at Auburn and he's just kind of consistently been in the mix since then. Uh, I I think it's a, it's a smart play for guys who are, you know, really productive to, uh, to take that chance occasionally when you're, when you're not in the spotlight all the time. Um, The guy that we're going to close out on, it's a guy that I covered during my No Stone Unturned series who had himself a big week. It is Chicago State's Wesley Cardat Jr. Uh, Wesley Cardat is he's he's a great player, man. I'm I'm so happy for him. Uh, a guy I I got to interview uh, during that series. He has had a bit of a circuitous journey. Uh, he started off initially uh, as a top 100 recruit, went to Samford. Um, I believe he had it was his uncle that was an assistant coach there. Didn't have a great freshman season, like kind of underwhelmed for a guy who's top 100 playing in a smaller conference. Uh, that coach, I believe before he even stepped foot on Samford's campus, who was his uncle, takes the Chicago State job. So wraps up the year at Samford, transfers to Chicago State, and had a really great sophomore season. Uh, flashes the three-level scoring, some really nice dribble pass shoot stuff. Um, defense metrics weren't crazy but like one of those guys like you watch the game and you see how he competes and it's like all right like there's there's some stuff going on here um had sort of a quieter start to this season and now like the efficiency is kicking in and he led chicago state to their first win over a top 25 team in program history um if somebody's from the area like chicago state like is kind of a story in and of itself this is a team that had won like seven games in three years uh during the covid season they basically like gave up like they were 0 and 10 and they like just were like, all right, it's over. We're, we're, we're not playing anymore, <laughs> which I, I've never seen a team do. Just say like, hey, you know what? We're, we're done. We've had enough. Like they tapped out on Time the to pack it up. Yeah. And that was, yeah, and that's before Coach Gillian came over. And like Gerald Gillian is just like on fire. Like he's bringing real talent to Chicago State, which had been like the worst program in Division One. He's a good coach. He's got these guys playing really hard. And now they're beating teams like Northwestern. They have to play this ridiculous schedule because they aren't in a conference until next year. So they're on the road constantly. They've already played 15 games this season or 14 games. Like they, there is no reprieve. Like you were all go all the time if you're at Chicago State. And for Wesley Cardat to not only survive, but thrive in these circumstances is something I think he deserves an immense amount of credit for. Was blown away by his professional uh, professionalism when I interviewed him over the summer. He talked a lot then about working on his body. He was kind of a little more like bowling ball style physique previously. He was like a really thick uh, six foot six. Now he's lean. He looks, he almost looks longer, which might just be an optical illusion with him looking leaner, but looking really cut up, uh, looking a lot more mobile on defense, but so much quicker on offense. Like just really able to get by guys now, uh, able to create separation a little bit better, uh, but had 30 points in the win over Northwestern. X game, they play Valparaiso. 28 points in a buzzer beater to win it. Uh, I love Wesley Cardet is like a dribble pass shoot guy who I think can defend. What has been uh, your experience with, with Wesley Cardet and what have you seen out of him so far this year? I've really enjoyed the tape with him. And, and like you said, 
I didn't know he was of a thicker frame, so another body transformation guy, which is great to see. And he looked long to me as well, so I mean, maybe that's just it got two of us, but he certainly does look longer. <laughs> yeah. The broad shoulders, he's cut up. He's more shiftier than I thought he would be, and he's been able to get past guys, confident shooter as well. My Like you said, dribble pass shoot guy. My only thing was, and maybe this is just – being a little too hard on him or just just looking too much into it is there an elite skill that he can hang his hat on at the next level or it's just more so he does a little bit of everything well and that's the sell i think i think that's the sell and i think that's the concern at the same time right like this is a guy that he has not been a knockdown shooter he's been an improving shooter uh but percentage and volume for a guy's size are, are run of the mill for a legitimate prospect. They're not run of the mill in general, but for a guy who's like someone that you're talking about potentially drafting in the second round, they've, they've been solid and, and average. I think the hope with Cardet is that he's a guy that you are able to get better results out of in a different environment that you take him and you're not on the ball all the time. And like, I've I've started like mentally like I like will like mentally come up with names for things. I, I've been calling this one the Tumani Kamara conundrum, which is like you've got a guy <laughs> who like maybe they turn it over quote like more than you'd like in college, but then you think about the role and the circumstance, and it's like all right, well Dayton didn't have any guards last year, so then Kamara was taking on a bigger playmaking burden. Jaron Holmes is taking on a bigger playmaking burden. Like those guys can do some stuff as a passer, but in most roles, like they're not going to have to pass this much or deal with this amount of defensive pressure. I think Wesley Cardet is a guy that that kind of applies to. Um, and then I think along with that, you hope that the shot diet can become easier at the next level. That maybe he's a little bit better of a shooter than we've gotten to see because he is unequivocally the guy at Chicago State. And a lot of what he has to do is self-created as opposed to set up by somebody else. Um, and then on the defensive end, like Boo Booey, I think it was a guy who like ended up with like 20 points in that game. Boo Booey is a fantastic college player. Um, but in that Northwestern game, like I thought Cardet did a really good job of at least like making him take tough ones and like not get exactly where he wanted on the court. And I think that's another side of it too, where it's like, all right, well then if he's able to develop more um, or, you know, force, force more defensively, then all of a sudden it's a lot tougher. Like looking at the numbers for Cardet this year on catch and shoot threes, he's 52% on 25 attempts. Like the volume's low, but most of his threes have come off the dribble. Um, And while he's been, you know, not great off the dribble from three. He has been good off the dribble in the mid range. So like, even that is something like maybe it comes along. I think the hope is that he develops into this sort of like long two guard that can make the occasional play really thrives as a second side guy. And then like gets to use that length and agility more on defense as he doesn't have to do everything on offense. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I think there's like a, a real path for him is to do it all wing. And I think in a class like this too, where there are a lot of guys where it's just like, oh, the production's not there, whatever. Like, Cardet is going to post numbers. And the fact that he's doing it as efficiently he, as he is on the shot back that he has to live on, I think is, is really impressive. And now I think the Northwestern game gives him a signature game that he can sort of hang his hat on. Yeah, that, I think that's key. Getting those signature games, especially the back-to-back games and, and then the, the game-winning layup as well, too. I, yeah, there really is a lot to like. And I think you sold me even even a little bit more on him. And he's a is a mm-hmm. junior, is that correct? He's gonna be a junior. Yep. So he's a guy that like I he's been in my top one hundred like since the preseason, but I think 
it's so hard. Like, it's so hard to say this, but I feel like the next time I make my board, he's going to be really pushing top 60. Like, he might be able to get in there. Yeah, I certainly can see that. I imagine that he's going to, at worst, test the waters and get some feedback this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think he may have tested last year. And I, did I, okay. did, I think he did. And I don't, but it was one of those things where like, I don't remember like hearing much about it at all. Like, I don't, Same. I don't know how many workouts he got. Like, I don't, I don't know that the interest is that high. I think just the Chicago state situation being what it was like, I, I don't think the general public sort of realized that like Chicago state being a team that won 10 games last year, like was a substantial turnaround and like should have been a feather in his cap as a prospect. Like I think from the outside looking at people were probably like, Oh, who's this kid that like had good stats on an 11 win team. That's not in the conference and just kind of pushed it to the side. But yeah, I think with the fitness leap that he's made this year in the Northwestern win, I think he's got to be on enough radars now that like, I would imagine, I would imagine, and maybe, maybe I'm like overestimating where the general public is at with him because I don't know that he's on like Vicini's board or the, I don't think he's on ESPN's, mm-hmm. but like, I, I, if I were to make the list, he would be like at least a G League elite camp invite. Without a doubt. And someone that can earn his way into the combine. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. And he should be at the very worst G League elite camp. Mm hmm. All right, so that does it for this week's show. Um, just kind of one last time in case you will jump in. Uh, we've got you know our live live listeners and viewers. Uh, let them know uh, kind of who you are, where people can find you. Well, first of all, just had a absolutely fantastic time here. I appreciate you letting me be an honorary member of Basketball Twitter's NWO. So this was just absolutely <laughs> awesome. So really enjoyed it. Uh, you can find my work. Um, at Draft Digest and I'm on Twitter as well at Jam on the Boards. Absolutely, Jam. Thank you so much for joining us. Like I said, always admired your work. Uh, always got a lot of respect for anybody who's coming from that that EV Hoops VPA kind of family, and, and love the whole team over at Draft Digest. I know, like Stephen and I, I believe Nick have kind of met up at events and things like that. So we love the work you guys are doing over there, and and always support what you guys are doing. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. Subscribe to NoCeilingsNBA.com for written work. Keep an eye out for my column tomorrow, uh, or today, rather, uh, if you're listening on Monday, on Jameer Watkins. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And uh, thank you all very much for joining us. We'll see you all next time.